Well, hey, two months ago, we were at Christmas at the Disney. Show of hands, who was there? Was anybody there at Christmas at the Disney? Super fun day. We got to go on some cool rides uh, at California Adventure. Had a good time there. And uh, it was giving me some throwbacks to my childhood growing up in Southern California. We went to Disneyland a couple times. And I remember um, growing up, we would spend a lot of time in Fantasyland. You guys probably know where that is in Disneyland. It's like the little kid part of the park. And so it's got all the little rides that pretty much do the same thing. You hop on this little car, it takes you through a course really slow, and then you hop off and then it's done, right? Um, well, one of these rides was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I don't know if you guys have ever been on this, but that was my favorite growing up. Um, and my favorite thing to do was to jump into the front row of this car because it had a little steering wheel. Um, and so I would always try to be the driver, try to jump right into the front and grab that steering wheel as we would traverse through the course. Well, it wasn't until I was older that I didn't realize that that steering wheel was actually an operative. So it didn't even work. So even if you try to steer to the right, steer to the left, well, your car is on a track. So it didn't actually impact the ride at all. It stayed exactly the same, the way that it was programmed. I wasn't doing anything. But as a kid, I, of course, was thinking I was in control. I thought I had it in the bag. I thought I was the one that was steering this thing. But of course, I was not. Um, and the same is true for life. We, too, can think that we are in control. We can think that we have some sort of effect on the outcome of our life and that we can determine our own destiny. But the Bible is really clear that we are not at all in control. In fact, it's God who's in control of all things. It's God who is God, and we are not God. And we got to get that super crystal clear, especially as we start this topic tonight on anxiety. Because the whole core issue of anxiety truly is that you're taking control, that you are trusting in yourself, you're trusting in you, you to be able to control your life, when in reality, it's God who controls it all along. And so I want us to look at this passage, especially as we think of all these different ways that we can be anxious, that we would gather from this night that there's ways that we can truly overcome our worrying. You don't have to be an anxious person. You don't have to control your life or think that you control your life. Instead, we can have peace and freedom from the Bible, from trusting in God. And so go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 6, verses 25 and 34 is what we're going to be looking at. Look at Matthew 6, 25 to 34. It's a long section, but we're going to get there together. Um, as you might know, Jesus is preaching his Sermon on the Mount. Um, so he's talking to large groups of people, a large crowd of people. Um, and some people say that the Sermon on the Mount was kind of a controversial um, teaching from Jesus because he talked about a lot of hot topics. Um, but this was great because he was really clarifying what the Old Testament said about God, that these truths are still true today. And so the same is with this passage that we're going to be looking at. The same truths, um, these things still apply today. These things are still uh, relatable today. And so we're going to go ahead and start in verse 25. Let's look at it together. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field 
how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, verse 31, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." So that was a lot. So let's try to go ahead and break it down together. There's basically three sections in this passage. And Jesus starts in verse 25 with the command. It's do not be anxious. It's crystal clear. Jesus is saying do not be anxious. And the way that it's written is not at all saying if you are anxious or when you might be anxious. It's assuming that the reader is already anxious, that the person listening to this message has already been anxious. And that's totally true, right? We've all at some point in our lives have been anxious. Maybe you're anxious right now. Maybe there's something that you're dreading, something that's already in the back of your mind that you're anxious about. Well, Jesus starts by saying, you can't be. Do not be. We want to listen to that command. Next, he, go ahead, he goes ahead and shifts to the argument. Why should we not be anxious? What are some reasons that we shouldn't be anxious? Well, he says um, kind of a back and forth pattern here. He gives some reasons. So he asks a question and then gives an answer to it. You might see it in the passage. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he says, hey, what about food? Well, look at how God provides food for us. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at how God provides clothes for us. And so Jesus is showing us this pattern of how we should approach our anxiety, that there should be truths that we look at from Scripture to counteract that anxiety. So if there's something that comes to mind that makes you anxious, what should we do? Well, he's saying, what does the Bible actually say? What is true about God? What is true about a Christian? How can that keep you from being anxious? How can that give you peace? He, goes this, he does this back and forth thing by replacing these truths with Scripture. And then last, he gives us the new priority, and that's in verse 33. That's kind of the punch of this text. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so instead of focusing on ourselves, he says, you need to focus on God. You need to focus on pursuing the things that please God, pursuing the things that are honoring to God. That should be your new priority. And now in a room this size, I'm sure that all of us at some point have faced or are facing anxiety. This is just so common for girls, especially in our society. We see this as just a constant conflict, and people left and right are trying to find an answer, trying to find a solution to this problem. Well, I'm here to tell you that tonight there is an answer to this problem. There is a solution, and that's by trusting in the truths of God, trusting in the truths of Scripture. This is what's going to help you to overcome your worrying, your anxiety. And there are surely a lot of things that we can worry about, of course. There's a long list of things. Jesus understands that. He gives a long list of things that we can be anxious about. However, as he commands, we need to stop being anxious about any details of our life because God is God and we are not. And instead, we got to trust in him to provide for us, to take care of everything that we need and more. 
And of course, we know that there's tons of things, as I had already mentioned, um, that we can be anxious about. Um, but what are we supposed to do about those things? Are we just supposed to live, you know, aloha, whatever, just <laughs> as we came back from Kauai, <laughs> the aloha spirit? Um, what are you supposed to do about that? Well, no, of course, um, there's things that you can be anxious about. But instead, we look to God is what it's, he's saying here. Um, but of course, as we approach this topic, it's really important for us to just stop and consider, okay, what are the ways that I'm tempted to be anxious? What are the ways that I feel this temptation in my life? I've seen this temptation, or I'm even facing it right now. That starts our first point, which I'd like us to write down. No, point number one, it says, identify what makes you anxious. Write that down for point number one. Identify what makes you anxious. Super crystal clear. It's a command. He says it three different times in the text. Do not be anxious. Three times. And you might think that these Jews in the audience are justified because they're talking about super essential things like food, clothing, drink. You know, that could have been a real issue in their day. You know, what if they couldn't provide for their families? What if they couldn't get food on the table? What if they didn't have another pair of sandals to walk around in the dirt of Jerusalem? It's a scary thing. It was a frightening thing. But still, Jesus says, do not be anxious. The command is the same. And I want us to really just stop for a minute and identify that. Because a lot of people can throw out the word anxiety, worry, fear. But what do they mean by that? So let's get a biblical definition for what anxiety is. What is anxiety? Well, to be anxious is to be sinfully consumed by something. Write that down. Sin to be anxious is to be sinfully consumed by something. And so that's something that just overtakes your thoughts. It's just dominating your thoughts. You can't get it out of your head. It's just constantly there. It's taking over you. And you guys have felt this, I'm sure, at some point of your lives. Sometimes it's when you're taking a test, and you take the test, and you're waiting to hear the grade back, and you just want to know if you passed or not, and you're anxious. You feel anxious. You feel worried. Sometimes it's you wish that you had the attention that other girls are getting, and you're anxious. You wish that you could get the attention for yourself. You wish that you could get um, the looks that guys are giving them, but you get anxious instead. You stop and you feel anxious and trapped in that anxiety. Sometimes it's a big event that's coming up. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's a new game that you have for your team, um, and you feel anxious as that approaches. Are you going to win? Are you going to make it? Are we going to do this tournament? Are we not going to do this tournament? And you just spiral in your mind over and over again. Sometimes it's regrets from that day, thinking of the words that you said, the conversations that you have that you wish you didn't say those things. You wish that you could take that back, and so you just spiral and feel anxious over and over again. And sometimes it's even looking into the future. Maybe it's not even a current issue. Maybe it's thinking of college or a job or marriage or kids one day, and you just feel anxious wondering, what if, what if, what if? and you spiral down that path. Now, we can clearly see there are tons of ways we can be anxious. We can let those things consume us. And it doesn't matter if it's a big or small thing. The command is still the same from Jesus. He doesn't give anyone a pass on anxiety. He says, do not be anxious, regardless of what your circumstance looks like, regardless of what that reality is. And not only in our text, but all across the Bible, we see this command, do not fear. Maybe you guys have heard this before, but it's actually mentioned in the Bible 365 times. It says, do not fear, do not fear, which is kind of crazy. I mean, think about that. 
Every day we could look at a verse that tells you, a new verse, do not fear. Clearly God knows our temptation to fear. He knows our temptation to anxiety, and Scripture speaks against it. It speaks in a way that helps us to overcome those things. And so as we've recognized these things, hopefully you've been able to even think through some things that you know you're anxious about, you know that you um, tend to be worried about. So let's identify those. Let's make sure that we think about those. But you might be thinking for a moment, okay, it sounds nice to be able to overcome anxiety. It sounds nice to be able to overcome this worrying thing. Um, But how? Is it really possible? How can I actually have victory over this? I've been struggling for years. I've been struggling. I've been trying to find answers. How can I actually believe this? Well, the Bible tells us, our passage tells us. Go ahead and look at verse 26 again. Let's look at our text. It says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then let's go to verse 28. It says, And which and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet even I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So did you catch that? We kind of talked about it at the beginning of the message. But Jesus responds with a question. He responds with kind of a truth bomb about who God is, about who we are in Christ. He points us to God being the creator of all things, that God is sovereign over his creation. He takes care of the grass. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of us. And that's something that can give us peace, that can give us um, no anxiety as we think about that truth. And the same is true for us today. We serve the same God as we read about in the text of Scripture. God is a God who is in perfect control. He's perfectly providing for us. He's perfectly sustaining his creation, us. He's perfectly transforming us to be into the likeness of Christ. He is working. This is our God that we can trust in and have peace with. And so if we want to overcome our anxiety, we have to let these truths of Scripture truly transform who we are. We actually have to believe what the Bible says. Not just read it, not just glance over it, not just memorize a verse and forget about it, but believe what it says because that's going to transform the way that you live. And so write it down for our second point. Fight your anxiety with truth about God. Fight anxiety with truth about God. And of course, we know this. There are tons of ways that people try to fight their anxiety. Tons of ways that people try to cope, right? We can see there's ways that people try to mask it. There's ways people try to avoid it, try to forget about it, try to even glorify it, make it like it's no big deal. You know, our culture tells you all sorts of things that you can do to make yourself feel bit better. That you can buy yourself flowers, Write your name in the sand. Talk to yourself for hours. (laughs) Sounds like I'm quoting something. Maybe I am. Please don't do that. That's really weird to buy yourself flowers. I don't know. Anyway, but there's ways that clearly we can try to cope with anxiety. Try to make ourselves feel better, right? You've done this. You've seen this in your own life. Maybe it's when you feel anxious, you just try to avoid it, and so you go on your phone. You go on social media. You text a friend. You just try to distract yourself. Get it out of your head. Don't think about it anymore, right? Maybe it's you try to talk to a friend, just have a conversation, forget that you were totally spiraling five minutes ago and just help them to get your mind off of those things. 
Maybe it's that you try to just shove it up inside and hide it from people because you don't want people to know that you're actually really anxious on the inside. Clearly, there's tons of different ways that we can try to cope with anxiety. And for some people, maybe it's going to seek counsel and hear unbiblical ideas or take medications and pursue these things. And it's not to say that these things can't have some success. Of course, we can see, you know, real progress or real results um, from even bad resources. But the whole point and the main problem with this is that it doesn't solve the core issue. You can try to shove it. You can try to take something. You can try to have a conversation with somebody and that solve it. But it's not solving the core issue because it's a heart issue. Anxiety is a heart issue. It's going to the core of who we are. And the Bible has so many answers and directions on how we can deal with that. So we got to look to the Bible for answers. And thankfully, the Bible gives us a whole lot of answers. Start with me in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. In Jeremiah 17, 9, this is a super important verse. I'm sure maybe you guys have even heard this before. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so Bible is super clear that the core of who we are is not something that's good or great or perfect or has good motives inside. The core of who we are is a sinful person. We're dead in our sins is what Ephesians 2 tells us. We're, we're ultimately, our hearts are deceitful and they, they want to pursue after things that are sinful. It doesn't, our hearts don't want to do the right thing um, all the time, right? Constantly we're fighting sin, we're fighting these temptations. And why? It's because the core of who we are is a sinful person apart from Christ, of course. And so because we're sinful to the core, we, we see these wrong desires, we see these wrong motives play out in our lives. And we know too that our spirit can even have an effect on our physical bodies, right? You've seen this in your own life when you're worrying about something and then next thing you know, you're sweating or you're freaking out or you have a panic attack or fill in the blank, right? Like it's just crazy to think the physical effect that just our minds can have on our bodies. And even the Bible talks about it. In Psalm 32, verses 3 through 4, Psalm 32, 3 through 4, David felt this very same thing. He says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. He feels this effect. He's feeling weighed down by his sin, so much so that it feels like his bones are crushing inside. There's ways that our anxiety, that our fears can affect even our outer body, even our physical self. Sometimes this plays out in things like sleeplessness, headaches, fatigue, feeling unsettled. Maybe it's excessive sleep, as I mentioned, panic attacks, lack of concentration, body aches, stomach problems, heart disease, suicidal thoughts, you name it. They're, they are all linked to anxiety. How crazy is that? That our mind can get us there if we simply just spiral in our thoughts, if we simply just hold on to control and don't give these things up to the Lord. It's all because of that. Anxiety is truly a paralyzing sin. It can keep us from being effective for the kingdom, being effective for Christ, instead being trapped, feeling as though we're trapped. But as I mentioned earlier, the reality is that there is real comfort, real peace, real power, real joy that comes with the Bible, with trusting God with our anxieties instead of ourself. 
I love Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So when our minds are focused on God, we can have peace. When we're actually mentally, intentionally focusing on things that are true and real and good, like the Bible tells us to in Philippians 4, 8, there's real lasting peace that affects us. It's the person that trusts God that doesn't have to fear because they're trusting in the one who's most trustworthy of all, right? It's God, ultimately. I also love Psalm 119, 165. Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. It's the person that's pursuing righteousness. It's the person who's chasing after God's law, chasing after doing the things that God wants them to do. That's the one that has peace. That's the person that really can not stumble. And of course, you know, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, that says that same promise, talking about the peace. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago at Revival, right? Prayer and the power of prayer and how effective it is when we pray. Imagine if you never prayed. Imagine if you never brought your anxieties to the Lord. How much would you crumble? How much would you spiral? How paralyzed would you be? Well, of course, because we are made to cast our anxieties onto God. He tells us to do that. He calls us to do that in 1 Peter 5, 7. We're not made to hold on to these anxieties by ourselves. And there's real results that we can see when we look to God. There's real change that happens when a Christian focuses on God and focuses on the truths of Scripture. And not only can we see this in the heroes of the faith, patterns and stories of the Scriptures, but we can even look at the church. I mean, think of our church. I can think of many women in our church who have even suffered the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's someone really close to them. And they have peace. How? How can they have that peace? Because they trust in God, because God is the one that's sustaining them. I can think of women in our church that have, you know, been diagnosed with horrible diseases, life-altering ones, that they might die because of their diagnosis, but they have peace. How? How can you explain that? Because they trust in God, because it's God who is holding them. There's women in our church who have had horrible upbringings, horrible childhoods, horrible memories even of those childhoods. But how do they have peace? How can they overcome that terrible past? Because of who they trust in, because of their God. And that's amazing. We can testify to those awesome things that God has done through casting our anxieties onto him, through the peace that he gives us. It's real lasting peace because of who we trust in. And this is really the secret to overcoming anxiety. It's really you transforming your thoughts, as Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, right? It's the renewing of your mind. Instead of staying, stewing on that one thing that's keeping you anxious, that's paralyzing you from doing anything, it's transferring that over to God, saying, I'm going to give this to you, God. I'm going to 
turn away from these anxieties and trust in what the Bible actually says. What verses actually speak to this reality? There's tons of ways that we can do this. And so I want you guys to make up a plan of attack. I want you guys to think of specific verses that can relate to your circumstances, that relate to your situation, things that you're anxious about. What does the Bible say on the, on the opposite side? And so let's even think of some things right now. Maybe for you, you are constantly anxious um, if God loves you or not. Sometimes you think, well, what if God doesn't accept me? I know that I repented of my sins. I know that I placed my faith in Christ, but I'm such a bad person. How can I know that he loves me? Well, think of Romans 8, 38 through 39. What does it say? It tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, not even death, not even life, not even the, the, the rulers. It doesn't matter who it is or what it is. Nothing can separate us from God. What peace that can give you. Maybe you're anxious about the hard situation that you're in right now. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's just a tough season of your life that you're really struggling. You're having a hard time. Think of Romans 8.28, how God uses all things together to work for his good according to those who you know, live for him, the Christians, right? Maybe it's you're anxious because you received a dreadful diagnosis. Maybe you found out that you're sick, that you have a problem, that you need help, you need solutions, but you're anxious about it. It's scary. Think of 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, that there's nothing in this life that can keep us from the, the future that's to come, right? That, that there's going to be real joy in heaven, that there's, we don't have to suffer anymore, that there's real um, peace that we have because eternity is ahead, and that's secure for the Christian. Maybe it's you don't like your body and you feel anxious about it. You don't like the way that you look. Think of Psalm 139, 13 through 14, how, or how God talks about, I knitted you in your mother's womb. I made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Also, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 talks about your body's a temple. God made you. Your body is his. So glorify God with your body that's made to worship him. And lastly, maybe it's you're anxious about the future. You're anxious about what's coming ahead. You don't know what that's going to look like. You're unsure. You're unsettled about these things. Think of Isaiah 46, 10, how God's the one who gives you peace. God's the one who will get you through this hard situation. The reality is that these truths of Scripture really do work. They really do give us peace. But it's you that has to believe that. It's you that has to cling to those things when the hard circumstance hits, when the anxiety hits, when you feel that temptation to be anxious. And then lastly in our passage, Jesus tells us the new priority that we need to have, and that's in verse 31. He says in verse 31 of Matthew 6, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's lots of things in this life that you can change, chase. It could be accomplishments. It could be your reputation. It could be um, having a good uh, academic record. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing that compares to knowing God, to living a life that's devoted to him. That's what really matters because that has an impact on eternity, on our heavenly home. And so for point number three, write it down like this. Focus on God instead of yourself. Focus on God instead of yourself. Because if you focus on yourself all the time, spend a lot of time looking at you, 
it's going to start to turn out like staring at a funhouse mirror. Have you guys ever been to those mirrors? They have them at the OC Fair. They have them at a few amusement parks, and it's kind of got the wacky thing to it, and it makes you look a little off. Well, if you stare long enough, I sure hope you don't believe that that's what you actually look like, right? It's a mirror, so it's giving some sort of a reflection, but it's not totally accurate, of course, because the mirror is made to make you look a little weird, make you look a little jiggly, whatever mirror you're looking at. Um, and the same is true when we look at ourselves for a long time. If we spend a lot of time looking at ourselves, we can start to believe some things that aren't true about ourselves, right? We can start to justify ourselves, think that we're better than, the, than we are, think that we're good, think that we don't struggle with as much sin as we think we do. We can start to justify these things in our mind if the definition is coming from us. So on the latter, what should we do? Well, it's focusing on the word of God, making sure that God's word is where we get our definitions, making sure that God's word is where we define ourselves truly, how we look at ourselves. Because there's a lie in our culture today, for teenagers especially, that's to focus on yourself first. If you just focus on you first, then everything else will fall into place. If you spend time with self-care, self-love, self-dedication, and it's not to say, you know, don't brush your teeth in the morning. Of course, you should do those things. But your first priority should be you. It's a lie. Because the more we look on our inside, the more we look at ourselves, we start to realize we're not so great. We're actually pretty sinful. We're not enough. We're not perfect. We're not good. We need help. We need our maker. We need our creator. And that's where the Bible leads us. It's looking at the Bible that's going to help you to understand those realities in the full picture. And this leads us back to the same message that Christians have been preaching for thousands of years, that yes, you are not enough. And that's okay because God came down to save us because the reality is that we are sinful and separated from God. We need a savior. We need someone to redeem us. And we have someone who has come to redeem us. And that's Christ who lived the perfect life that we never could, who died the death that you and I deserved. And that's how we can have that eternal life is by trusting in what he did, trusting in the cross to save us from our sins, not ourselves because we could never save ourselves from our sin. And it's the moment that you turn away from your sin, ladies, that that's when you are free. You no longer have to be anxious. You no longer have to hold on to these anxieties because these truths, these passages that we looked at, they're true for you too. They're true for all Christians, all people who trust in Christ. They can have real peace. They can overcome any hard thing that they endure because of the God that they trust in. And for you, maybe you're a person who is constantly anxious and constantly just paralyzed by these things, by these thoughts, by these problems that come to mind and just swallow you up. And maybe it's leading you to realize that you're, you've never been a Christian in the first place. You've never actually trusted in Christ for salvation. You've never turned away from your sin. And that's why you're anxious. And it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense for non-Christians to be anxious. Think about that because they're trusting in themselves. They're trusting in me to live my life, to be my own destiny, right? And that's going to make you anxious, of course. But my plea for you tonight is as you think about these truths that you would tonight get right with God. If you realize your anxiety is just pointing to the fact that you don't have a right relationship with God, 
turn away from your sin. Stop living for yourself. What are you waiting for? I mean, think about it. it. Eternity is ahead. At any moment, we could be in the presence of God. And so get right with God. Get right with your maker. Talk with your leader. Talk with me. Talk with a friend. It's so important that we get this right. That's the only way that we can overcome anxiety. It's not by these quick fixes. It's by getting right with God, getting right with our maker, and living a life that's devoted to him. And so focus on the kingdom. Focus on things that matter for eternity's sake. Think about how good it would be if you could look back at your life and see the impact that you made for the kingdom. Just to name a few things, imagine if you put more time into telling people about the gospel. How encouraging would it be to see your friends get saved, to see their lives transformed, to see them start pursuing God, start living for God, start making an impact in the world? How awesome would that be? Imagine if you put more time into helping other people overcome sin. Your sister in Christ that's really struggling, that you helped be that accountability, be that resource, be that support. How encouraging would that be to see them have victory over their sin, have joy and peace from overcoming that temptation that they struggled with. Imagine if you put more time into knowing God, studying God, working on your relationship with God. How good would that be to look back at your life and see, I, I, I clung to the cross. I did all that I could to run the race, to know Jesus, to pursue him and all his righteousness. We want to live a life that's devoted to the king. And that starts with making sure that we even know the king, that we have a relationship with him in the first place. And so I know that we have minus two minutes, but take a minute just to join up with your small groups, even if it's for just a couple minutes, and think about one thing that you can take away from this message, one area that you know you struggle with anxiety. What are you going to do about it? What, how are you going to live differently as a result of tonight? And I'll pray for you guys, and you can go ahead and be dismissed to your small groups. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for even just the truths of Scripture that are real and um, have power. What a joy it is that we can know you, know about you, know how to overcome our sin. God, I just praise you for that. I thank you for the peace that you give Christians and how we can really overcome anything in Christ because of our God because of who we trust in, Lord. So I just pray for these girls tonight that you please help them in their anxieties, help them to um, look to the truths of Scripture, look to what the Bible actually says, and believe it, that it would transform the way they think, the way they live, the way they talk, that it would have an effect because it's you that they're clinging to, God. I just thank you so much for this time together to talk about this important topic, and I just pray that you would use it for your glory, Lord. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.